By the way, Joey does say hello and send his love. He is um, in New Hampshire actually preaching. He preached already because it's three hours ahead. So he's preaching in New Hampshire this morning and hosting. That's where I was supposed to be. Uh, He hosted... He'll be doing the second generation summit this week, and then I'll join him. Everest and I will join him on Wednesday for our third generation summit in New England um, in two weeks. So he does send his love. He loves you guys, loves you, Pastor Henry and Auntie Jackie. Um, and uh, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes off naturally. They're, I don't know what you call them, but I call them Uncle Henry and Auntie Jackie. And I think the, the pictures prove that I have the right to do that. <laughs> so I was thinking about, you know, um, just some memories and of when we, you know, when we were younger. And this, I, Joey was asking me a, oh, a little while ago of just when we had moved to the United States and if we had what memories I had of moving. And I remember it was in the first year or two that we'd been here. My parents were going on a trip, and so Matthew and I, I don't know if you guys remember this, got to stay with Uncle Henry and Pastor Jackie. And um, one of the first stops we made was we pulled into a Dairy Queen, and we had never been to Dairy Queen in our life. And then Auntie Jackie said, get whatever you want. (laughs) And I think Matthew and and my eyes grew like a size. And then I remember this so clearly. We went to a grocery store. I don't know what grocery store, but they said, go ahead and pick out any snacks, candy, whatever you want for the weekend. My brother and I were literally freaking out. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) I just, I think the highest we could think in that moment was, I remember we got some like Cheeto puffs and some candy. That was the, the biggest we could think. Like, whoa, we got these. So, I mean, I just, since I can remember, you guys have been in my life. And, um, well, since before I can remember, obviously. What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I have inherited that trait from my, my mother. <laughs> um, my husband has a hard time with it, but I have also inherited the um, n- not a- ability to kill any anything. So anyway, I just wanted to honor you guys and Auntie Jackie, especially on this Mother's Day. Not only, you know, um, did you guys raise two incredible, amazing, wonderful kids, both Hayne and Cindy? And yes, they're successful and wonderful and amazing human beings. But more so than that, they are living testimonies of Jesus. And that has to be the greatest testimony of a parent's life. I know, you know, as a parent myself, when your ki- the, the desire for your child to live and grow and serve the Lord um, really surpasses anything else. And to actually have that as adult children, making that own, de- that own decision to not only serve the Lord, but to bring others to him um, is quite a testimony. So I love you guys. And thank you so much. I do not take it lightly to be in this pulpit. It is such an honor, so I appreciate it so much. Um, when Cindy asked me to do this message, obviously Mother's Day, the first thing to ca- that came to mind is um, my mom, my incredible, amazing mother, who, um, yeah, if I bet I'm sure everyone in this church knows Lindsay Thorne. <laughs> um, you know, yesterday at the Mother's Day brunch, she... Uh, 
you know, did everything, and she did this little sermon that any of the ladies here that were at the Mother's Day brunch, was it not just absolutely incredible, as usual, with anything my mom does? Um, But she did this sermon on her first point, if any of you remember, was that you don't have to be perfect. (laughs) And I don't know about any of you, but I was sitting there thinking, yeah, but you're pretty close. (laughs) So um, it gives quite a bit to live up to. Um, And so I was thinking about, you know, what are some of the lessons that I've learned from my mom? And as you can imagine, those lessons could probably fill volumes of books, let alone a piece of a sermon in one Mother's Day morning. Um, So, I mean, I literally, and you can attest to this, I call my mom Probably some some days, 20 times a day, how do I prune the roses? How do I fertilize fig trees? How do I sow this? This fell off. How do I, can you please edit this email? How do I do it? Actually, you can you just do it, please? (laughs) How do I, you know, editing a book? Joey, Joey jumped on the train. He's like, you know what? Can your mom edit my book? (laughs) I don't know how she does the things she does. I'm going to bake bread. Can I call my mom? That's the first thing I do. I'm going to do literally advice on anything. And then parenting becoming a parent that's a whole new level now it's like okay mom I don't know what to do just and she's the first person that I call about anything to to share you know the the one the highs and the lows of life and mom I just want to say I am so so grateful for you thank you I love you so much um But when I thought about, you know, if there was one takeaway that I could say that I've learned from my mom, what is the biggest thing? If I could just pick one thing, I would have to say it is how to pray. Because not only did my mom teach us how to pray, but she demonstrated it on an every day, every single day in different circumstances and different places. And I, it was just the way that both my parents lived and raised us. And I truly think think that um, prayer is something that not is not only taught, but it is also caught. And it is something that as, as children, you don't even realize how you're being molded and shaped to about your expectations of the world around you by what your parents demonstrate and just do in front of you. I'll never forget, um, there were the fires. I was in high school, the, fires in, the wildfires in California. I'm sure some of you remember them. It was pretty bad. It was getting pretty close to our house. We had evacuated. And um, we were at, uh, there was a corner church that we went to at the time. And we went to the church where a lot of people had evacuated to, to stand and just, you know, get together, pray together, be together, watch the fires. And I remember, I don't remember how many people were there, but there was a small group of us with the pastor together, and um, we were watching this, the smoke start, you know, the, sc- the sky is black. And we actually, do you remember this? <laughs> and you, we actually saw the flames crest the mountain where coming down if you've gone to our house you can you pull up and it's a mountain and you can't see the house for for a while until you actually pull up and these flames were cresting and it looked like these flames were coming down this mountain towards our house and so um I don't know who called for the prayer but there was a small group of us that we grabbed hands and were standing around in a circle you remember and the pastor prayed <laughs> a very sweet very very um, nice, (laughs) 
um, not a very powerful prayer. You know, that went something like, you know, be with all the people, keep everybody safe, thank you that your will is done. Um, we we love you, Lord. Give everyone strength in this time. <laughs> Never forget this. He starts winding down, and all of a sudden, my mom starts. Um, my mom did not pray a nice prayer, but she did pray a very powerful prayer. And I remember we're all standing holding hands, and people open their eyes and they look around and then they close them. <laughs> And looked straight down. But I'm telling you that stuck with me. She prayed. She did not pray, oh, thy will be done and please help everyone maybe. But she took her authority and she said, flames, you get back in the name of Jesus because I have a covenant with my God and you will not take what is mine and you will not come near my house because this is a promise. And Satan, you stand down, you and your cohorts, according to James 4, 7, if I resist you, you flee. You get away and you do not touch one leaf of my property and angels I'm releasing you go and blow back those flames and she told our neighbor there's a huge angel standing there and while she was still alive that neighbor has passed away but she still talked about the visual that my mom gave her of the angel standing at our homes and blowing back the flames she could see it in her mind because of what my mom told her and she commanded and released those angels you remember that mrs camps um she released those angels and i tell you what we pulled up a, a couple days the next morning we pulled up to that to our house and the flames burnt the back edge of the fence. They literally came to touch the property line. Not one tree, not one leaf, not one thing on that property was touched. And I tell you what, <laughs> there is something about seeing demonstration of the word of God at work. And it is, it's not something of that. You hear that and you're like, whoa, which if you've ever heard my mom pray, you're like, whoa. <laughs> but it's true. There is an authority that comes and a confidence that comes when you not only know the word of God, but you know the God of the word. And he gives you, but it doesn't just automatically happen. We have to get to know him and we have to build that authority on the inside of us, on the inside of us and that confidence. Um, and that I believe truly that that understanding and, and the weight of our English prayers largely comes from praying in the spirit. That boldness, because that's what the word says, that he gives us boldness. When we get to know not only the Holy Spirit as the third person of God, but he indwells us and then comes up and on us and gets and speaks out of us in other tongues. We get to pray out mysteries and pray out things and give our own flesh boldness. So that when we speak in English, those prayers are that much weightier. Those prayers have that much more authority and confidence, not because we're changing God, but because it changes us from the inside out. You know, there's a quote that one of my favorite preachers says is that God will never do something that he's told you to do. 
And he will never do something that he's already done. How often in our prayers are we praying for God to move this mountain? And he's saying, I've given you the authority. Speak to it. It will move. And he will never get off his throne and send his son back to the cross to do something to heal you now because he's already healed you then. It is a matter of understanding and receiving that and then walking in that. And we get that from feeding on his word. Um, Kenneth Hayes tells a story about a young uh, a young man and some his parents were out in the field and there was a huge hurricane or storm some of you know him will probably remember the story coming through and his parents get down on their knees and they start to pray and he says come on mon pa a scared prayer is of no avail a scared prayer in a moment of fear, and how often, I know my mom gets these calls all the time and texts, when, we, when people get to a position of fear and, okay, now maybe I'll try and pray. And I do think, you know, God's mercy is new every morning. And I think that there is mercy for, in particular, with praying and um, for new believers especially, and for perhaps people who are not believers yet, that perhaps a, f- a a prayer out of that there God's mercy is is there but that is not where you and I are called to live we are not called to live on God's mercy getting us catching us up every time when we stumble and fall but we are called you know a, a scared prayer we when we pray from fear that is the opposite of faith so how can God honor a prayer that is full of fear We have to learn to stand our ground and learn to pray from a position of faith and authority. And that is so important. Um, Yes, how often are we trying to ask God to do something that he's already given us to do? I think Satan has, um, now I'll tell you this, I prepared at least, oh, at least three or 12 messages, <laughs> um, at least halfway while I'm bouncing Everest or talking to him and I'm thinking through things when I um, put him to sleep or put him down for a nap. Oftentimes that's my my moment of quiet, five quiet minutes to, while I'm putting him down to just think through things and pray in tongues or, um, and so I was telling Cindy before the service, I tried not to talk about this, but every single sermon I I thought about or lesson I thought about came right back around to praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit and the importance. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, He is in the times that we're living in. How much more important is it that we are operating in the gift with the weapon that God has provided us with? He has given us weaponry and he has given us gifts that we are free to use. You don't have to. It's not a big deal. It's not going to make or break your entrance into, into heaven. But he's provided it. Why not use everything that he has given and provided us? I think Satan has worked so hard to make praise in tongues either weird or impossible. If you think about it, half of the body of Christ thinks that it is so, that praying in tongues is the most weird, right? Bizarre thing. And we'll even call it speaking to devils, which is crazy. Because if you think about it, in Corinthians 14.2, it literally says, men who speak in another tongue speak to God. So we know we are speaking to God. It's right there in the scripture. But it has become so weird that it's, 
And if, if we can get past that, so if now Satan can, you know, he can't make it just weird, I can't tell you how many times Joey and I have been doing ministry and we've had an altar call or whatever whatever it is, and Joey's maybe preached on praying on the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and people have come down, and the people we, that we speak to say, I've been trying for 10, 20, 40, 50 years to get to get this gift, but I can't I can't do it. I don't have it. Maybe God doesn't have it for me. And so he either makes it too weird or impossible. And I will always remember my mom told me a while ago when she was doing the children's church how she would um, pray with the kids to receive the Holy Ghost. And she said, not one child doesn't receive immediately. What? We have adults who have been trying for 20, 30, 40 years. Why is that? Because our heads get in the way. And, and children don't let their heads get in the way as easily. Um, uh, one of my favorite th- um, phrases that a, a really good friend of ours that's actually helping doing Generation Summits right now with Joey is he says, you know, the, the Lord wants to take us to places where our head doesn't fit. Isn't that a good thought? And, and you know what? When we only pray in English, we can only pray out of our intellect, And so the Holy Ghost is trying to empower us to give us the ability to get to a place where our head doesn't fit. Because listen, there are things you need to do and people you need to meet and things you need to accomplish before before we're raptured and we are going to see him soon. You, there are things you need to do that you that you can't think about with your head. It'll be too big for you. It'll be too scary. And think about even this. If you just think about the grace of God, how merciful he is. If I tell you, hey, your child is in danger. Let's say the Holy Ghost tells you this in the morning. Your child's going to school. Satan has a plan out to kill your child today. There's a car coming. They're, they're set on a course to um, have a car crash. So you're probably going to pray. Yes. <laughs> um, and you're probably going to be kind of stressed about it. Right? You're going to be thinking about nothing else. Nothing else is going to get accomplished that day. Because that is what you're thinking about. Because that's kind of a scary predicament. And you're going to be commanding and speaking and praying and getting in the word. And, and making sure that you have authority over this thing. But what if... The Holy Ghost just prompted you to pray in other tongues over your child, and you had no idea why. But you just spent the morning baking and doing laundry and doing whatever you do, but praying in tongues over your child. Is there any, which one, I just give you the choice, is more stressful. Both might have the same outcome. Your child is protected because you pray Psalms 91, because you know that wherever they go, they are the protected of the Lord. And you know what? Just FYI, if you didn't know, Satan hates your guts. He absolutely, absolutely hates you. You know, people talk about the storms of life and how, you know, Satan has sent storms. Yes. And, and we, we, I hear sometimes this romancing of the storm of, you know, the we're going to ride this way. Listen, the storm is designed to kill you. It is designed to take your, to steal, kill, and destroy. Do not romance that storm. You speak to it. You command it. You get your authority. This is not something that we're just sailing along, right? So I just give you the option. I'm going to probably pick the praying in tongues over my kid. Because that's a lot less stressful for me. I have a lot less fear to bind in my mind, 
right? So it's, it's an amazing gift that the Lord has given us. Um, and how wonderful to get to bypass our heads. <laughs> that is something I will take any, any day of the week as an opportunity to bypass our heads. So um, the other thing, and there is a little book called Why Tongues. I, it's like 99 cents or $1.99 um, if, it's still go, if, it's, if it's printed, um, which I recommend you get and read multiple times. But I think there, and there's 10 things in there, 10 reasons to speak in other tongues. And... Um, I think there's so many other reasons, and one of the things is uh, the that it releases the power in you. If you think of Ephesians 3.20, it's a wonderful, wonderful scripture, even more wonderful when something like Ephesians 3.20 shows up at your doorstep, right? Because it talks about a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all you can ask or think or hope or imagine in the Amplified, but... He, that is a God who is able to do all of those things, but it is according to something. It is according to the power that is at work within you. So if I can get that power at work within me, I'll take it. And that power, I believe that praying in tongues and, and letting the Holy Ghost minister through us is something that activates that power in us to receive from a God who is more than enough. Um, when I was praying over Everest, um, what... That's the time? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, did you all hear that? <laughs> um, anyway, and I was praying over Everest uh, a, a while ago. I was, I was writing down qualities that I wanted my son to have and things that I wanted to instill and things that I wanted to teach and um, foster and cultivate in my in my son. Um, I have an 18-month-old, for those who don't know. He's in, in children's church right now. Um, and one of the things I wrote down was a spirit of excellence, which is something that my parents have certainly cultivated. And again, if you've been to any events in my mother's house, um, everything is done with excellence. Everything, everything, everything. My whole life, I was always told, even in school, I don't expect A's. I just expect your best. And your best is A's, so I expect A's. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but she always expected us to do our best. If you were going to commit to something, you were going to do your best at it. And it is something that, uh, honestly, in my generation and probably, um, yeah, around about my generation, I see so many people who that is just not a priority, a spirit of excellence. But anyway, I'm writing this down, and I think it's important. But the Holy Spirit said to me, do you want your son to have a spirit of excellence or an excellent spirit? And I said, hmm, well, let me look at this a little bit. So if we think about the first scripture that comes to mind, or the first person is Daniel, right? The prophet Daniel. And um, the, the word says, um, so we know he was lived, with a, lived a life that was marked with success and favor. And the Bible tells us why. In Daniel 6.3 that this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, who is that excellent spirit that was in Daniel? If you think about it, Daniel interpreted dreams. He prayed with effectiveness. He understood visions. He prophesied. He experienced the miraculous. I think it's safe to say that the excellent spirit in Daniel is the Holy Spirit. And um, that Holy Spirit, now I believe Daniel also had a spirit of excellence on him, and I think both are important. 
But I renewed the priority in my list of what I wanted my son to have. An excellent spirit first, and then a spirit of excellence second. But what is the difference? I had to think about, okay, a spirit of excellence versus an excellent spirit. A spirit of excellence is about the outward appearance. So you can see when someone has a spirit of excellence because of the presentation. Hmm? Yes, the fruit. Thank you, mommy. (laughs) Whereas an excellent spirit comes from the inside out. And it allows Jesus to shine from the inside out of us. Anything to add? (laughs) she's got plenty I'm sure Um, and uh, it is on the outside that it comes from the inside out and then we can see it whereas the spirit of uh, excellent spirit comes from the inside out whereas a spirit of excellence you can see on the outside the fruit so um, that is one thing I've learnt from being a mom. So I first talked about some of the things I've learnt from my mom, which again could fill volumes, and the things that I could learn um, from Everest. It's a, a good friend of ours, um, Jeremy Pearsons, told Joey when we first had Everest. He said he will teach you more about God than any sermon could ever teach you. And I tell you that has rung true over and over, um, and. That is one thing, but I I think the biggest thing I've learned is uh, the importance of leaning on the Holy Ghost. Because you all of a sudden, when you become a mom, all the moms can say amen, um, you have your tasks multiply by like a gazillion, and your time and your sleep decrease by a lot as well. So I thought, I was thinking about it, I was like, there's one thing that I, I feel like I could help God out with when I see him. I think that moms, each child you have, you should get one extra arm. I mean, wouldn't that be, I think that's fair, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Um, so uh, that's, the, that's the only thing I'd add, but I tell you, your, your, your ne- need to rely on the Holy Ghost. I don't know how people do it without him. I truly don't because I just couldn't. I could not. And then there's days when you try not to. And you realize quickly that I need to get and get me some Holy Ghost, <laughs> right? Um, there's one other thing I'd like to to just share with you guys quickly, if that's okay. Um, so when I was thinking about the what to share as well, I thought about what we could learn from our biblical mother. And who is our biblical mother? Well, in um, 1 Peter 3, 6, we're told that we are daughters of Sarah. And I thought, well, Sarah's an interesting choice to be the mother, right? We, we know Abraham is the father of our faith. But why is Sarah our mom? Because there's a lot more, I would think, um, uh, a, lot, a lot more other moms in the Bible that maybe fit the bill a bit better for what they would ac- have accomplished. But, you know, Sarah is the only mother in the Bible whose youth was renewed, and we are called her daughters. And so, um, and that's in First Peter 3, 6. And what is it about her? So her youth was renewed, but we know um, when was her youth renewed? When she was 90 years old, right? she had a baby, the promised child. Now, before 
this, she was really quite a domineering woman, if you think about it. She tried to help God out a few times, and Abraham, you know, said, yes, ma'am, <laughs> right? She said, because the promised child was not coming quickly enough, so she said, take my maid, and then we, ha- we get Ishmael. I- Abraham is not recorded as saying, no, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, maybe we should just let God do what he's going to do. Nope. He listened to, to Sarah. But then what happened when God appeared to Abraham? Jesus appeared to Abraham with two angels. And um, I think it's funny that he says, where's Sarah? And he says, in the tent. So she's listening. There's a reason where, why Eve's, it's eavesdropping and not Adam's dropping, right? She's listening right on the other side of the tent, <laughs> right from the beginning. <laughs> Um, But if you think about Sarah's youth, I mean, in her old age, two kings wanted her for their harems, Pharaoh and Abimelech. They took him. She was old. That's crazy. Her youth, she was that beautiful, and her youth was renewed, that the kings wanted her. Abraham was so nervous of how beautiful his wife was that he lied and told them she was his sister. But what is the event that takes place where this change happens? their names get changed. So Sarai is her name, which in Hebrew is a Shinresh Yut. Shinresh is the Hebrew sir. It's sar, which the um, English derivative from that is the word sir. The Russian derivative from that is sar. You think of like a sar. So it's a very domineering word. It's a very, um, it can mean my, my lord, my, my um, captain. It's a very strong word. And then the ute. Uh, so what does God do? He takes that, the last letter, the ute, and replaces it with a hey. Hey is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it represents grace. It actually represents Jesus Christ, but I don't even have time to go into that. But Old Testament rabbis are very confused by the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You know, Hebrew is an alphabet, a number, and and a picture, every single letter. It's a fascinating language. But he replaces the ute, which the the picture of a ute in Hebrew is a hand. It represents efforts. It represents man's efforts. So he took away Sarah's efforts, and what did he do instead? He breathed the breath of God, the hay, into her name. So Sarai, Shinresh Ute, became Sarah, Shinresh Hay. The name of God, Yahweh, or Jehovah, is Yut Hay, Vav Hay. He took both of the Hays in his name and gave one to Abraham. He inserted the breath of God into Abram and made him Abraham and inserted the second hay into Sarai and took away her efforts, took away her activity. So is that not something? Now, he changed their names. One year later, Isaac was born. One year later, Isaac was born. And I tell you, that is the first mention of God as El Shaddai. He is the God who wants to pour forth profusely in your life. How does tongues tie into this? Tongues, if you think about the story of Sarah, her youth was renewed. In 1 Corinthians 14.4, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That word edifies is from the Latin edis ficare. 
Edis is a physical building. Very often you'll hear that scripture taught as it edifies your spirit. Sure, yes, it charges your spirit. And later on in that same verse, it says that praying in tongues are spirit praise. So we know that the prayer is coming from our spirit, but it edifies our physical body. Edis is physical body and fikare represents um, the word build. So he is giving us a language in order to renew our own youth, in order to actually strengthen and take the wrinkles off of our face. Something to actually encourage us. Exactly, right? Hallelujah, somebody. (laughs) But Sarah's youth was renewed. We have the opportunity with a gift, a powerful gift from God, to renew our own youth. 